Welcome to the Happy Homeschooler Podcast, a digital support group for everyone interested in a learning lifestyle. I'm your host, Jennifer. I'm your co-host, Melody. I'm your co-host, Holly. Well, this week on our podcast, we're going to be talking about unit studies, which I'm very excited about. It's one of my favorites. But let's see how everybody's doing. What have you guys been up to? My husband had to go to a a visit with his podiatrist yesterday, and he came home kind of sad. He's a diabetic and he's been, mm-hmm. uh, last year he dealt with a diabetic ulcer and he had to have surgery and four months of recovery. And here he's got another one. Um, oh, this dear. time, yeah, this time he's got three weeks of bed rest um, oh. to look forward to. And then the podiatrist is going to see how he's doing after that. So it's a little disappointing. We we were hoping to, you know, do some things. And yeah. um, now I'm back to uh, wound care. And he's out of his cedar allergies. So he was hoping to Aww. be outside a little <laughs> Get more. Get out but and no. enjoy. Yeah, but no. I saw you were also having some fun over spring break, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. We we didn't find a treasure box yet. We're going to go back out, I think, later today to another park um, to see if we can find the treasure box and, and enter a raffle for $314. So does the city, is the city hiding treasure boxes just all around randomly, or they are definitely in the parks, or how is that working? Uh, so what it said is uh, they listed area parks, the certain parks where they could be, and also city trails. So I need to pull up the trails on my trail guide app you know we're hoping to find something what what about y'all melody what have you been doing well i um actually have had to pull out all my paperwork i filed my tax returns i'm like (laughs) i'm through with that (laughs) feels good to be done since we moved and i always need to pull my previous year that was a lot of digging around to make sure i knew where it was and i did i'm so happy i'm in the habit of being nice to my future self i knew i was going to need that i love that put it where i would know where it is (laughs) so But then also I was feeling a little overloaded with all the things going on. So I pulled out some crochet and I saw your little, what is that little creature? Oh yeah, that's going to be Yoda. Oh, okay. So cute. From that Star Wars crochet kit. It's like, oh, Oh, if I do it, then I don't need to keep finding a place to put this cute little thing and I can just do the project. (laughs) Now who's going to get that? My craft snowball. Oh, I don't know. People are asking me. <laughs> I bet. I think you should put it up for like, like have a bidding war on it. <laughs> There's your That'd new income fun. stream. You crochet things and people bid to get them. <laughs> what are you doing, Jen? Are y'all off on another trip? Well, soon? no, not for a while. <laughs> like, you know, about a month. Um, but, okay. <laughs> but um, uh, one of my uh, daughters was home for the week from college. Uh, so that was sweet. And we did a lot of outside stuff she's you know she lives in Colorado where it's been snow and snow and cold so we did a lot of like hiking and just being outside this week and um over the weekend we went to one of our favorite kind of local festivals it's called leaf it's a earth art festival that happens in a small town out here so it's so awesome and we've been going to it from the beginning I think it was seven years ago when it started and it's the world rock stacking championships happen there and which is fun but there's artists there's earth artists from all over the world that come to it and they just make some incredible stuff out there so we spent time out there this weekend and have just been enjoying the weather it's been really really nice i want to go next year you'll need to give everybody a heads up or something yeah you should check it out it it always happens during spring break so they try to get some crowds in for that but it's growing bigger and bigger every year and 
it's it's really uh, very homeschool friendly. It's very much a come in, you know, create and learn as you go. And my kids have over the years have uh, worked alongside some of the artists there. And I don't know if you remember, but it, one of them, uh, Avery did a yoga collaboration with one of the artists out there one year and they did photos with her with the rock stacks and things. And so it's been really cool. So we're talking about unit studies this week, and I am excited. This is one of my favorite ways to homeschool. It has been from the beginning. Even though I uh, mostly unschool, we've used unit studies in many, many ways. So do you guys use unit studies? Have you used them? I have from the beginning, uh, just since whenever that was that we started. We just have always homeschooled with unit studies. And I guess because I was, I came from classroom, like I was a kindergarten teacher and taught with unit studies, it was just a natural progression for me to to keep on going that way with my own Right. Kids. Like, I guess we should really explain what a unit study is first. And it's good that you brought up, you know, school, in school, they're used a lot. So basically, a unit study is a thematic learning experience. So you take a theme and you build around it, right? And it can incorporate all subjects. One of my kids called it compact learning or like efficient because everything comes from and is interwoven with that topic and I liked that we could be whatever we were studying their writing assignments were about that Mm -hmm. same topic and so the learning went deeper and wider Mm -hmm. Um, it seemed effortless for us and I a lot of studies a lot of curriculum when you're studying a certain time period or something they they do have like those little mini units in them Mm -hmm. But instead of things tracking off in many different ways, you know, with several things running alongside each other, I just like the way that unit studies are all interwoven. I did use some unit studies. Uh, they were they were a stepping stone for me from textbook curriculum to Charlotte Mason. Um, and I guess, you know, I like I don't really think of Charlotte Mason as unit studies, but we are currently studying a certain time period in history. Um, However, not all of our literature is aligned with that time period of history. Mm -hmm. So um, but I but I did find unit studies to be a really great stepping stone for us. And it it took my kids, uh, particularly my oldest daughter, who was getting bogged down with all the um, all the textbooky paperworky things that you get in a box curriculum like a Becca. It was a nice stepping stone to make her enjoy school again. Yeah. Ours that we used were literature based. So um, they were based around a book. And then, you know, that book might I think have that's been... a great way to start a unit study. Yeah. Yeah. We did one based around the best Christmas pageant ever, which was super fun. Um, oh, fun. Yeah. yeah. And I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. I think we did maybe three unit studies and that took about a year and a half. And then I found Charlotte Mason, but unit studies are great for resistant learners. Yes, they're very interactive, or they can be interactive, Mm -hmm. actually. Like, you can tailor them, you know, to whatever style of learning you want. And I think the nice thing to me about it is that you can make them whatever you want them to be. So they Mm -hmm. can be academic, or they can be just for fun, or they can be very short. Like, you can do a one-day unit study, or I've done ones that last for six months. So it can really just you can make it your own. Yeah. And I think that we, like, I tend to use unit studies in kind of an unschooling way. Like if one of my kids gets interested in something, then I'm like, oh, well, let's explore that. 
And so their interest may last, like you said, one day, or it might last uh, one week, or it might last a lifetime. You know, like my one daughter liked to decorate cakes. So Mm -hmm. I, we had got cake decorating supplies and she tried making cakes and she did some stuff and that was kind of her unit study. But there are a lot of other topics that come up when you focus on one certain thing because you know, if you're going to bake a cake, you got math going on. And if you're going to sell cakes, you know. That's right. It's a great uh, testament to how interest-led learning can work, too, when mm-hmm. you do it that way. Because mm-hmm. when you do follow an interest, you are necessarily going to pull in all of those things. Even, you know, they have to read about it. They have to research it. They have to find, you know, use the tools for whatever it is they want to do. So um, it's a it's more natural to me when you, in, you know, incorporate all the different subjects into what you're doing. Because that's how life is, you know. it's, it's We don't separate out in our daily lives. Now we're doing math. Now we're doing science. You know, it's all together. <laughs> right. All That's close. true. Right. And I guess for using it for school purposes, I would, you know, like in life, I might not have somebody write a report about whatever is currently delighting them. <laughs> right. But since I wanted to, you know, milk this topic for all it was worth, we would write reports yes. sometimes, but sometimes they would write a letter to someone about, about what they were it. doing. So that yeah, was that's still, great. Yes. Or just which is telling like part someone. Of the natural thing that you would do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Tell somebody what you're so learning. So we're kind of touching on this already, but well, why would someone want to use a unit study? What are the benefits of it? What are some of the benefits you guys have seen? Well, for me, it was multi level. That um, I was home, I have seven kiddos, and I think at the most there were six actively in school because there were yeah. babies that I mean they were they were right Same there, <laughs> but not I wasn't counting for school. But so everybody was studying the same thing together, which then you know rippled out into we might play games about right. that topic, or we could sit around the dinner table and talk about it. Or we might take a field trip, you know, which is also known as a vacation to some place that's about what yes. we're studying. And we had a great year one year when we were studying Mexico, mm-hmm. but we live in central Texas and there are uh, missions mm-hmm. in San Antonio. We made that part of our study and we went to all the missions and studied. Well, it was just, it was yeah. huge and it took us several months, but we had the best time and they remembered yep. so much of that because we were having a lot of fun learning all the things that we could think of that would incorporate a study that a, a study of Mexico would right. incorporate. And so that multi-level aspect for me, that one big stack of library books would work for everybody. And that was really appealing. I, I, think, I love that about it. That worked for me too with my big family. And I see people ask all the time, how do you teach kids at different ages when you're at home? Mm-hmm. And I think unit studies is a great way to do that. Yeah. I just wrote a post for transcript maker about, how to manage your time amongst multiple students. And one of the things I said on there was do the same subject with everybody at the same time yes. um, as much as possible, because mm-hmm. it, you know it's real confusing if somebody is trying to do, uh, you know, study Latin over here and somebody on the other side is, I don't know, doing, um, you know, their physical fitness. And it's like, wait a minute. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, so unit studies are a great way to, um, to have everybody on the same page. And then, you have this big frame of reference, but the, I think one of the best things about unit studies is it's more hands-on. Yeah. And anything that involves the multi-sensory, uh, imp- has multi-sensory impact is going to be remembered. You know, you can, if I read something in an encyclopedia, I may or may not remember it, but if I, you know, read about something, uh, let's say when I was in fourth grade, we studied, we had a big thing about uh, studying Japan. Um, 
I am way beyond fourth grade, guys, but I still remember, you know, we painted a big mural. We wore, we right. got Japanese clothes. We studied Japanese food. We performed food, a Japanese dance. Yeah. It's still yes, one of my favorite memories, you know, I'm team bajillion years later because it was a unit and encapsulated everything and it was multi-sensory. So I think that's a great reason. It's a great example of it because people understand that example. You can take that example and apply it to any subject. It's mm-hmm. easy to see it as like a cultural study. You can see how you can fit in art and music and, you know, all mm-hmm. of that stuff. But you can do that with any subject. You can take Shakespeare, which I've done with my kids when they were little, and do the same thing and do a unit on Shakespeare that incorporates all of those, you know, same ideas. And that's why unit studies are so great. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. And then they're also like we did science-based yes. unit studies, mm-hmm. which we haven't really touched on yet. But again, the same thing, because then you can be reading biographies of scientists and start... you. It's science is kind of hands-on anyway yes. with experiments and things like that. But I have one child who's like not into the artsy craftsy stuff. Like that was not appealing to my son. <laughs> but if it was a science-based unit study, then he was mm-hmm. all about. I bet I know who that was. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> it's like you did not want to do that artsy craftsy stuff, but that hands-on science was very mm-hmm. appealing. And so you sometimes you'll have to modify what you're thinking of doing or what you buy yes. or whatever you're using to make it fit. But usually within the umbrella of all the things that can be involved in a unit study, something in there is definitely going to appeal to I everybody. agree. It gives you more flexibility. Mm-hmm. I also think one of the benefits right. is that it can work for you no matter what type of homeschooling family you are. So if you're so a more true. traditional schooler, you can still use unit studies and set them up in a traditional fashion. If you're an unschooler, you can use them to you know follow your child's lead, like you mentioned earlier, like supplying the things you're interested in. Um, you know, if you're a person who likes schedules, you can still use it that way and have a schedule or, Mm -hmm. you know, have more freedom if you like more freedom. So it really can fit all different types of homeschooling families. I'm so glad you said that because I did have someone once tell me they couldn't do unit studies because they weren't artsy. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's not a requirement. No, not at all. You can still do it much more traditional. And so that's kind of how they, they did. Like within their, within your more structured schedule figured out ways to to start a unit study and sometimes you just tiptoe in and like for her family she got started with a bible study Mm -hmm. she realized that bible study was already unit study they're all studying the same thing as a group and so then she was able to realize oh whatever we're studying we're just all gonna we can just come together and work on Mm -hmm. that and then branch off into your different age levels. And I guess that's another thing we might want to talk about. Like if we're writing a paper, my littlest one might be doing copy work. Right. Which is actually very Charlotte Mason idea. Mm-hmm. Some copy work or some narration, but my older ones might be writing a letter to someone or writing a little research paper. Yeah, and it can be tailored to every level within the same. And you can think of it like if you're doing a cooking project together. And if you have all different ages kids cooking together you do that you know whatever they can do at their level is the part that they do and it's the same way when you're using a unit study for other subjects too yeah and so appealing to kids because they can just get in there and get going on it you know and they don't have to they don't feel as intimidated I think by the subject matter yeah I agree I also we talked about how it's good for all you know using with a group of students um, in different ages. But it's also as your kids get older, I think people drop the idea of unit studies for older kids. But I've still used that idea with our co-ops and we pick a, a topic we're interested in and then we tailor everything about that 
topic for the year to our high school kids. So, and I consider that a unit study this year. Our our kids wanted to learn about serial killers this year in our <laughs> high school class. That cracks we went, me up still. Yeah, but it's great because we went, okay, we'll go with that. We created a whole unit. So we did forensics. We did true crime books. We did um, psychology. And, you know, we're learning to write biographies and all of that. And we've incorporated and pulled it together as a unit study. So it can be used in co-ops with groups of friends you can obviously you can do it with individual students as well just really got a wide uh, area of usage it also helps people learn how to learn like because you're exploring all those different topics with them you're not spoon feeding information from a book but you're learning how to get out there and dig out information and find activities that put that information into practice and so there's that whole aspect of learning how to learn from other things besides a textbook. Absolutely. And also the group, the kids working together, they're learning from each other. I usually, with my kids, have tailored unit studies to the oldest kids in the group for the most part. And the younger kids take what they can get from it. And they always get more than I think they're going to get from it. You know, when we did Shakespeare and I had toddlers who were running around saying lines from Shakespeare because their brothers and sisters were doing it, you know, and so they were getting something out of it at the same time. Yeah, that's a good point. It it helps to elevate things for younger kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sometimes we, we try to water things down for younger children, but yes. that's really not necessary. No, it's not. We're going to take a short break to hear a word from our sponsor, but when we get back, we'll discuss our favorite unit studies and even how to make one of your own. The Happy Homeschooler podcast is sponsored by Transcript Maker, an online service that allows you to create professional high school transcripts from the comfort of your own home. Calculating GPA can be such a chore, but with Transcript Maker, it's a breeze. Instead of hours of compiling data, you simply insert the credits, the grades, and the GPA appears on the transcript like magic. Hard drive errors can cause you to lose all sorts of important documents. Transcript Maker has you covered by keeping your transcript in the cloud, safe and sound, whenever and wherever you need it. Have you ever signed up for a free trial and they made you put in your payment information? I hate that. Everybody does. Transcript Maker's 14-day free trial is truly free. No need to enter your payment information, and it cancels itself after two weeks, so you can give it a test drive and see what you think without worrying about a hidden fee somewhere. When you decide to subscribe, use our exclusive coupon code HAPPY, that's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps, and save 20% off the cost of your subscription. Transcript Maker. Simply better transcripts. Welcome back to the podcast. In the first half, we talked about unit studies, what they are, and why you'd want to use them. And in this half, we're going to talk about our favorite unit studies and how you can even make your own. So guys, have you used any that you'd really like to recommend to other people? Well, I started out writing my own, but then at some point in time, I started using Konos, which has been around for decades. And uh, we, we worked our way through all of those volumes and then we launched off into other Are those roles. pretty structured? I've heard uh, people have used them a lot, and I was, I don't, I'm curious about them. Are they pretty structured? Are they traditional learning? I think that depends on the person. I think that okay. there are, you can buy, um, I don't know if you're, if they're separate anymore, but you can get a guide mm-hmm. and follow it that way. I just used them the way that I wanted to and right. <laughs> worked through. So basically, it's a lot of ideas that you can use 
for that topic. And I would go through and arrange them into like subtopics for each day, just to break it down in little chunks that made sense to me, little subtopics of the big, the big unit. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we would study something for a month. Sometimes we would study something for half a year. Like when we studied the human body, one mm-hmm. week we would be studying the eye. And so right. like one day we would study the structure of the eye. And then we would do, you know, light and dark and just broke it down into little bite-sized pieces. Um, but a lot of the times as the children got older, I kind of just let them do a lot of that discovering for themselves. Because by that point, I knew that I did not have to read everything and and then feed it to them. It's just like, here you go. Let's find out. You read this and tell us what you found out. So we got loosey goosey as we went. And I think they learned more because they were in charge of some of their own learning. But Uh when you have little bitties, you are kind of looking through things to figure out, you know, what are the takeaways that I want them to remember from this? And kind of figure out how can I help them learn those things in a way that will be memorable. So I don't, think of it as structure, but I suppose it could be if you follow the well, lessons I, that Yeah, the reason there. I ask is because some people who are new to unit studies might be looking for something that is more structured um, and kind of lays it all out for them until they're more comfortable like you became. Teacher supply stores often have those type of uh, thematic units available. That's true. They do, and that's a really good way to dip your toe into that pool and see Absolutely. how you like it. Um, the Teachers Pay Teachers, I know you guys have probably talked about I this love before. Teachers Pay They're teachers. such a great resource for so many things, but they definitely have unit studies available on there. If you just type in, you know, a search for any subject, you'll come up with short unit studies, long unit studies. They're really great for book unit studies um, on there for pretty much any book your child would be reading they have unit studies for them and even uh like game unit studies and things like that you can find on there I love this it's such a good resource it's really great I know that a lot of people start preschoolers off with unit studies and you'll do things like even like letter of the week or things like that and if you're interested in doing things like that with a kindergarten or younger elementary kids there's one called confessions of a homeschooler she's great with younger kids studies and I love her stuff And then I've also used some, I don't know if they're sold under the same name anymore, but there's a unit study company that I love that's called Interact Simulations. Um, I think that you can find it at centerforlearning.org now, but they're they're created actually for classroom use. um, And there's a lot of history-based ones, but I've used them several times with my own kids and tailored them down to a smaller group. And uh, they really, they put you like in the place of the people living in the history. And there's a lot of like role playing and acting out and things like that, that were really fun for my kids. Well, I know my kids love learning with unit studies, but they wanted to not do quite as much work as I did. And so they kind of scouted around and are, they used the good and the beautiful for a little while. Mm-hmm. And right now they're using gather round. So those prepared unit studies are out there and gather around is beautiful my daughter was excited when she when they came in the mail she's like look at this mom and they're studying the human body and all the things that are in there and so she's like this is just like what we did but it's all laid out for me oh, that's great so, uh, <laughs> like, yes, yes, always scared me because it seemed like it had a lot of stuff to create people were building my friend uh Jeanette used Konos and she's like, oh, we built this thing and it was like supposed to be an ear and the kids could crawl through it. And I was like, if I have to <laughs> do that, 
Uh, yeah, so I was to say, if I have to do that, we're never doing it. And we were studying the, hair, the air, so we set up the bunk bed, and they climbed through, you know, the, <laughs> the bed and came out the other end. And, yeah, so it wasn't really that involved. One tip, like if you're a unit study mom, is like your kids can help you clean it up afterwards. They're old enough <laughs> to get it out. They're old enough yeah. to put it away because that was the big thing. Some of it was a little bit involved. But then sometimes they would go off on their own. We one fun memory we have is that we were studying early American history and Waddle and Daub homes, and so they went out there in the in our play area. We had a like a mud area, a mud kitchen <laughs> where they could play mm-hmm. in the mud. I love that. And so they stuck the sticks into the ground and then wove grasses and stuff, and then packed the mud all over it. And so, do you know that little? It wasn't big. It was like you know a foot high and a couple of feet long. It's, Till they lost interest in making it. But that mm-hmm. little bitty waddle and daub mud wall lasted through several rains. And uh, like it was still there until a neighbor child tripped over it. Oh, wow. <laughs> but so, because we were all like, are you kidding? Would that, how would that hold up? If it rained, it would just fall apart. But it did not. And so that was one of those really fun things that they did that we, I didn't expect the learning to keep going for mm-hmm. so long. That's fantastic. I was going to say Progeny Press, they are literature studies, but um, I use them to build, you know, a whole lot of learning around them. And some of the ones that that I used and we really enjoyed were uh, The Sign of the Beaver, which if you're studying early American history, that's a really good one. Uh, Shiloh, we, uh, my one daughter, uh, (laughs) it's so funny, she has three dogs now and and they're going to be getting a new one but she always loved dogs and Shiloh really spoke to her she was so into dogs uh she loved that one Amos Fortune Free Man was another one we just absolutely loved and The Door in the Wall and these were all such great you know literature history I mean they cover a lot in the course of reading a book they're really well done and they have a lot of questions and a lot of research for you so if you're busy homeschool parent I mean who's not but you know if if you're too busy to write your own (laughs) well let's talk about writing our own because we've already mentioned that Melody and I have already been making our own all along so you know that might seem really intimidating to people but I don't I don't think it is that hard to do because it's really just what are you interested in you follow that and you go find things to go with it Melody what are some tips you have for people to create their own unit studies Well let's see cuz we've done it in a few different ways sometimes if I if we had a brainstorming session and we would figure out what someone wanted to learn about mm-hmm. or if I as a mom was hoping to rekindle some interest in learning, I would notice what the child was very interested in. Like I have a son who's very interested in cars and somewhere in those junior high pre-adolescent years, you know, school was not his favorite thing, (laughs) but cars were. And so we did, he did a unit study about cars. And um, for that one, I just pulled from whatever I can find. So usually for me, it would involve a trip to the library Right. Uh, now you could just go online yeah. and find things. But back in the old days, go to the library, see what there was. Checked out mm-hmm. a stack of books about uh, cars. And then as you're going through there, or I, I, most of the time, it's like, here's this big stack of books. And automatically the kids are starting to read through them. Yes. But if I was yeah. being organized, you know, and trying to get a framework or something, uh, you know, you start noticing what categories of information does all this settle into. Mm-hmm. And then. 
study those different things. But for him, like he was big on building model cars in addition to um, go-karts and working on anything with engines. So it was a little bit of what can you learn? There's a lot of information about the model you're building on a model car box. And so he was exploring that and we found some reference books at the library. He just began to, on his own, look up all the things that he could find out about cars. Mm -hmm. And then he did have to distill it into some kind of a book report. So that was like a specific way that we did that. But another way to approach it is just like to think about what's your big topic and then think of all the different areas that you could learn about. So like if you're studying a country, like, okay, food, language, geography, um, literature, the people, what's their flag, what's what are customs, and then what things might branch off of that. And so like I would... Like just doodle this brainstorm kind of a mind web map mm-hmm. thing and um and then go off that. and fill in, you know, it's like pigs. Hang this information here and hang that information yes. here. Yeah. And, oh, we can what kind of food? Desserts or cut you know, traditional Yeah. I and I love that you mentioned the library because even though we have other resources, the library is a very economical way to get resources. Not everybody um, has got money to throw down on ordering a whole bunch of different things. Right. And you don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to. And the librarians are also very helpful. Oh, especially the children's librarians. They love to help. They're the best. And and remember, when you're doing something like that, too, explore, like, go check out the cookbook section and go look at the music because you can check out music and art and Mm -hmm. think of all the different aspects of if it's a country study that topic that you could explore and um our learning when we did things like that we typically covered many more things that i might have if i'd have just been going from what was in a one book or a textbook or maybe even a purchased unit study yeah. but you if you can be friends with your librarian <laughs> get to know them and be their friend my experience of creating my own unit studies is pretty much follows those same lines of what you did. And we always started with like what, you know, I've talked about, I had meetings with my kids and talk about what do you want to learn this year, you know, and then we take those ideas and I turn them into unit studies. And it, for me, uh, it always started with just, you know, Google search, lots and lots of Google searching mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and a printer. <laughs> I highly recommend having a printer uh, because I could find so much free material on every topic I wanted online and just printed things out. And then I've talked about this before, but then I would create a binder for whatever the study is that we're doing. So like if I was doing dinosaurs with my kids, you know, we would have a binder just all about dinosaurs and I'd have, you know, in the binder would be separated out by subject just for my knowledge so that I knew I had things covering all the subjects, right? But for the most part, I would do Google searches for that. We would also utilize the library, of course. Um, And I would find resources like from Teachers Pay Teachers or other free online things from public school classrooms even have a lot of great stuff you can print out. Museums have a lot of great things you can print Mm -hmm. out. Uh, Cities often have lots of information you can print out and use with your kids. Right. Um, Parks and wildlife. Absolutely. And then I would go after I would do like, the actual searching and finding materials, I would look at like what areas am I lacking in and go find those. Some of the areas that are harder sometimes are math. Sometimes it's hard to fit math into your study. And one of the ways I've done that is through game schooling and finding Mm -hmm. games on the topic. Also, really, if you search, if you have a topic and you, you know, put dinosaur math into the Google search, you'll find 
things that tie into math that are about dinosaurs, um, you know? Well, sure, just how big they are. You can practice measuring, right? Exactly. So just doing simple searches really helps you with that because you might not think of it while you're coming up with ideas. And then another thing I always try to fit in are thinking of people my kids can talk to mm -hmm. about the subject. So utilizing people is a big thing. I always try to fit that into a unit study. And then also looking at how the study or the topic links to professions or jobs. So I would try to include those. But basically, I would gather all those items and everything would go into a binder together. So I just compile all the information and then I decide how to use it later based on what level the kids are at and how long we want to last and things like that. Oh, and also documentaries. We haven't mentioned that, but I'd also oh, yeah. make list of documentaries that we can watch that go along with the unit study as well. So it does take time. Yeah, I was just going to say, so when you're doing that, how much time do you find um, like a unit study might take you to put together? For me personally, it really depends on how big the study is, how big the subject matter is that we're studying. Like when you do the human body, it could it, it can take a while mm -hmm. because if you want to get detailed into each thing. But with the resources there are online right now and how easy it is to search online for topics, it doesn't really have to take that long. Yeah. Um, I, could, I honestly, for me, I've been doing it a while. I could spend a day and come up with a unit study yeah. you know, that's going to last a whole year, you know. And the nice thing about it is that after you do that initial work on it, then you don't have to do more work throughout the unit study. I'm curious. So you meet with your kids. And so what if you know, you got three wildly divergent ideas. How do you do that? <laughs> How do you incorporate that well, so the whole family is involved? Or is that not what you're so doing? So the unit studies I've done, we don't always necessarily do them as a family. We've done, they've done individual things as well. Mm -hmm. But I, I am always able to find something either that they are generally interested in together or that we as a family decide, hey, he should learn more about this, you know, and then I we like go in that, that direction. And a lot of that involves books, often involved books that we were just doing together and then we make into a unit study. That makes sense because I was thinking somebody listening to us might think, oh my gosh, I have seven kids. I don't need to make seven unit studies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. And you don't. <laughs> yes, please no, don't. No, not at all. Yeah. But... But, some, but yeah, sometimes you don't want to have a three ring circus going on. <laughs> so like sometimes right. everybody can study one thing all together. And then in yes. the next, when that's over, people can branch off and do their own thing. And uh, a lot of times my high schoolers, they were doing a history study. So they were doing their mm -hmm. own thing and we were, the little ones would be studying something else. So like we weren't right. always very, we weren't rigid about it. No. Um, but for that younger group, it was ideal for them to all be studying the same thing. And I also like that you mentioned like the the free things that you can download out there on Teachers Pay Teachers and different people's blogs. It's mm -hmm. a good idea. As time went on, I started having them do some like some kind of a summary of what we had studied. It might be a lap book or some kind of a foldable or something um, because we I wasn't big on worksheets like we yeah. pretty much never did those. But I found a lot of really clever foldables and things that were a good idea to organize all the information they were learning. Mm -hmm. And those things kind of, they were on the bookshelf. And occasionally the kids would go back and look things up in there where, you know, right. nobody digs worksheets out of anywhere. No. <laughs> but, <laughs> no. but those little books, or they would write a book about it or draw mm -hmm. a comic or things like that. Oh, we, we wrote books stuff. too. Almost all of our unit studies, we would write books together about them at the end of it. That was a great way to summarize everything. They loved that. 
you know, you learn things better when you're teaching someone else. And I think that having to go through that thought process to make a book about it or to draw a comic strip or make a crossword puzzle or whatever, it really helps cement the learning. And then you might be looking things up to put them in your book and get them right. And the best way to learn is to teach. I know I've been learning a lot with my son this year, you know, Mm -hmm. so I think that is great because we, we don't have to feel like we know everything to teach a unit study and, right. and to get involved learning with our kids. Well, um, I don't want to forget to mention something that might help people who aren't quite as creative as Jennifer and Melody. And that is that a really clever lady named Valerie Bent wrote a book called How to Create Your Own Unit Study. And you can still find it on eBay and Amazon. Um, and it's a nice little spine that will you know, walk you through the whole process. Right. So that's yeah. a good resource. Yeah, I'm sure people would appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, this has been a great discussion. I think unit studies are amazing. They encompass everything you want to teach your child all together in one place. And so I think they're really, the flexibility of them is just so perfect for homeschoolers. Here at the end of the show, we sometimes find ourselves at the news desk where we discuss homeschool news from around the country and around the world. Melody, what's our headline for today? Well, today our headline is about daylight savings time, which has started for some people here in the United States, and not everybody is a fan. Uh, How do y'all feel about daylight savings time? I'm scared to say how I feel about say it. Say how you feel. I've heard strong Holly has opinions. strong opinions. Um, <laughs> it doesn't normally bother me, but I am having a hard time with it this week. Uh, I'm still feeling like I'm losing an hour every morning and I'm not getting started off well, but it doesn't normally affect me that way. So I'm not sure why I'm having a difficult time this year. Uh, are you how staying you up guys? later? <laughs> No, no, I'm not. That's I'm trying to figure it out. Hmm. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, I don't mind it either. I I like that we're smart enough to play with time. And I like having more daylight in the evening. That is fascinating. Yeah. That's a good Yeah. Point. Also, I'm a person who wakes up with the sun. And mm-hmm. so if it's darker in the morning, I like that. And I stay up. I tend to stay up really late. So I like having more daylight in the evening. I, I don't. I love the daylight. Yeah. The I don't That's mind great. daylight saving time. And I, here's my opinion about the whole thing. Everybody complaining about it. If you stay up an hour late or you get up an hour early, do you go around complaining all the time? Because your body adjusts okay. So I just think people like to be grumpy about something and it's a convenient scapegoat. (laughs) I just like, I like waking up and watching the sunrise and I'm an early riser. And so when the time changes, it, it does mess up my beginning to the day. Mm -hmm. Not a fan. Mostly it's just, I'm not a fan of changing back and forth all the time. And so um, that right. And you know who doesn't like daylight savings time, like really doesn't like daylight savings time is our (laughs) United States Senate, because (laughs) they recently voted unanimously to make daylight savings time permanent starting in November 2023. And I was shocked when I saw that. I think they were half asleep and just grumpy from having to get up there Um, because I would prefer to make standard time permanent that would be my preference that makes more sense um I was recently talking to my son about uh hey wouldn't it be fun if we made a sundial and then I started researching about it and I thought this is gonna be harder than I thought because (laughs) you have to go out and mark every hour and then um if Mm -hmm. you're not in in standard time it wouldn't be quite right when it goes back 
you know? Right. Um, and standard mm-hmm. time is more, is what the earth is actually doing. And in Arizona, they don't have daylight savings time. I have family there. Right. And when I go there, I'm always shocked that the sun rises so early and sets so early. You know, it's like, it's like pitch dark there but at you like just get six used or to seven that. in the evening. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, you definitely do. <laughs> I know. But you know, in this summer, the daylight hours extend on both mm-hmm. ends anyway. And I think that we just get used to, you know, getting, if you really want sunlight earlier, get up. (laughs) That's not going to happen for me. (laughs) Later. Uh, But my husband had a farmer uncle who every year would make funny comments about how, you know, his animals didn't know anything about daylight savings time. And his, it didn't affect his routine. He never changed his clocks. He's like, (laughs) none of that. I don't live by the clock anyway. He was all about, you know. What, the sunrise kind of and the sunset. Homeschoolers. A lot of homeschoolers <laughs> don't live by a clock at all. True. So I don't know if it matters that much. <laughs> I don't know. I would just like to not have to change it all the time. <laughs> Me too. I agree with that. If you live in the northeastern part of the country, I will say I, I lived in Ohio growing up. Um, I got to Texas as quick as I could, y'all. But <laughs> the sun would go down really early. So I worked for um, a company that was owned by Orthodox Jews, and they had to be home in time for the Sabbath on Friday night. So we got out of work at three o'clock on Fridays in the winter because oh, wow. it got dark by four, and they all had to be home. I I did see some of the speeches from the senators, and you know they all live up there, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh-huh. they were talking about like it gets dark at four p.m. That's not okay. Yeah, so I can see the point of well, making daylight. You know, savings if you live in it. Alaska, well, they have a whole nother kettle of fish. <laughs> they got six months of sun yeah, and six months of dark. Your clocks don't make a hoot bit of difference. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume homeschooling families probably would like to have more daylight in the evening I think hours so too. because they like to sleep in. Yeah, <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But at least they finally decided something, and I think we can all be yes. appreciative about that. That is true. Right. <laughs> Kudos I don't to them. Miss, nobody's going to complain about not having to change the clocks. Right. No, we will not miss that. <laughs> I will not miss that. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at happyhomeschoolpod at gmail.com. You can check us out on Instagram at happyhomeschoolpod. And head to our Facebook page and join our group at facebook.com slash happyhomeschoolpod. Thank you for listening today. I'm Jennifer. I'm Melody. I'm Holly. Happy Happy homeschooling. homeschooling. Hi, this is your host, Jennifer Jones. Thank you for listening to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a transcript maker production. My co-hosts are Holly Williams-Urbach and Melody Gillum. This podcast was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our graphic design is by Pete Soloway and our music is by The Great Pangolin. You can find more of her work on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y Wins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or, as always, tell people about us. Very informational.